Oh, calm down. Hi guys, welcome back to Powerlifting Perspectives with no powerful perspectives. <laughs> powerful perspectives. Let's run it back. Welcome back <laughs> to Powerful Perspectives with Juliana and Savannah. Yes, um, we're back and better than ever. Um, it's been a week, guys. It's been actually a couple weeks. Um, yeah, yeah. Last. We, don't we have another Lions game coming up? Yeah, it's, I've on, seen it's, that a lot, so. it's actually so let's, kickoff just happened. Let's hope that this continues to be another week for Michigan. Yes, we um, would all enjoy that. Continue to snow a lot. Uh, I think last time I told you guys that my car broke down. Um, we were knee-deep in that. We so were knee-deep, probably. probably. I probably spoke about it. Uh, I finally got a new car. Ooh. Let me tell you, the uh, process was absolutely terrible. Um, horrible horrible i it is not fun to be a young girl looking for a car i would even say like i'm not great at like negotiations and stuff but like i don't know i just went like the difference so juliana went with me and the car salesman that like we were talking to was just like not cooperating he did not like me he did not like her he was clearly <laughs> trying to take advantage of me and the fact oh, yeah. that like uh he thought i was too young to be doing this and um it was just a whole like the classic stuff that you hear like oh the you know the young girl kind of going into the salesman and then the salesman just kind of like makes her feel like she doesn't know anything and like is basically gaslighting her that's exactly what happened yeah i felt dumb i was like i was like i know i know what i'm talking about but i feel dumb right now and i was like i wanted the car he didn't even have to sell me that hard but he did try to give me a 19 percent interest rate which so. is ridiculous so don't get scammed by that um so my dad ended up coming down and ha, guys, the difference in the way that it makes me so mad. the difference in the way that my dad got treated versus me, like I'm telling you, like he went, the, the guy went and shook my dad's hand. He like pulled out chairs for us, got us water bottles. We did not get that Mm-mm. once. He didn't even shake my hand. Even after the purchase, he shook my dad's hand, not mine. Even like after the whole deal or deal was made and I was the one buying the car and I was, so I was a little upset and I was just getting madder and madder. And my dad was like, just calm down. I'm trying to get a negotiation, a deal like out of him. Like, like you don't need to be this mad. And I was like, I was like, I will be this mad though. Yeah. No, you have every right to be because you know, that's not going to happen to, you know, the males out there. Very likely. Happen to him. Um, but yeah, no, th- that guy was not a fan of uh, like, because also kept, he, how do I say, he kept screwing up how he was telling Savannah, like, what papers were needed and where, and you could tell that it was, like, intentionally, like, being vague, and, like, so he wasn't saying specifics, and was basically kind of just in a roundabout way, like, um, just wasting Savannah's time and, like, everybody's time here. Yeah. And then... As soon as we were like, okay, so what exactly is needed? Like, oh, so you need, like, the purchase order versus, like, the insurance papers and all, or whatever. And as soon as that kind of started happening, like, who kind of would roll back on things that he said. And it was just a mess. Well, we were there. It was, I think it was Monday or Tuesday. It was Tuesday. Yeah. And... He told us he had someone else come out, yeah, which was such a sales tactic. We did that all the time at oh, Rocket yeah, Mortgage was like, go get someone that's more experienced to like try to do the sale. He had someone come out and they like spouted off like how they were getting some paperwork printed right now for me to sign. Yeah, they, right they clearly said right now. So me and Juliana sat back down and like then the guy sat there for a second and they started talking about like the purchase order and the contract and everything that we needed to sign. Um, and he was telling me that I needed to come in two separate occasions to sign these papers and um and i was like that's fine but then he kept switching them around it was like juliana said it was really a thing so by the end of us arguing about the order of the paperwork to be signed which juliana was like texting me like she's like stop talking about the paper signing and i was like i i was like i don't know how to stop this conversation i was like i kept trying but by the time we got to the end of the conversation i was like okay so what am i here right now for am i signing something and he was like no nothing needs to be signed today and at that point, I was done. I was like, yeah, all right, no, we're leaving. So we we just stood up and left. Um, and then my dad helped with the rest. Um, but good luck to all you people out there 
especially if you're 23 and I'm sorry, a girl, because it's rough out there. It my really biggest, is. my biggest tips is to a not be afraid to walk away from it and tell them that, you know, you're not dealing with this, go in with more information than you think you need. That way you can tell them what's right and yeah. what's wrong. Um, and don't be afraid to ask specific, very specific questions because, um, at the end of the day, like you, it's quite annoying that, I mean, more specifically referring to like young females, but it's quite annoying that that's like something that is very real that, you know, Savannah can walk in with her dad and her dad will get a handshake and all that stuff. But like, uh, she walks in and try to figure it out in like nothing um no kind of like respect for that that's quite annoying that that's like the situation but working um around it the best you can and doing like what you can with it although i'm not gonna lie i totally was texting her like aggressive stuff about the salesman he was he was making me very he was mad. extra annoying he was a little extra annoying i, I don't know but you got a car. I did get a car, so I can drive around now. It's reliable, way more reliable than the Ford. So yeah, well, we'll we'll take that. Um, so that's been my week. It's been a little traumatizing, but Juliana's also been busy. What have you been doing with your little entertainment? Oh, um, I was like, how have I been busy? Like, I know I'm always busy, but I just <laughs> took me a minute. Well, I've been so ever. I think I said this on another podcast, but ever since moving in with Savannah been reading a lot more because we have not quite a library but basically a library in the apartment i'm working on it guys don't worry and so i've been reading a lot more so i was like i finished a few like oh two weeks ago i finished like one of the books and i was like okay i'm just gonna pick a random book off the shelf and i started reading this book which i have it right here it's called the inheritance games by jennifer lynn barnes and guys, when I tell you, if you like mystery, this book is so good. I I read this one, the second one, which is a Hawthorne Legacy, I think is what it's called. The third one is The Final Gambit. Um, and it's it, it's one of those books where they're they're like, this isn't giving away too much, but they don't wrap up most of it in the first book. You got to keep reading. So it. It's quite a bit of information, but there's a t- like mystery. There's a little bit of kind of romance going on. Um, the topic, the storyline is super interesting. If you've ever seen, um, there's a Netflix. Oh, Knives Out. If you've ever seen Knives Out, it's uh just like a mystery, like uh, who done it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit. And it's based around, like, inheritance kind of stuff. It's a little bit similar to that, but less so about, like, there's more riddles and puzzles and kind of games with it. And I could not put down these books. Yeah, she's, she's flying ahead of me, both on the reading challenge this year and uh, the series. I only read to the first book. But it's, for those of you who are curious, it's about, basically about, I don't know how old she's a, It's a teenage girl who finds out that, she and she's basically homeless and she finds out that she inherited a mm-hmm. multi-billion dollar estate mm-hmm. and she has to go and acquire it and she basically the the only like rules are that the family at the time still gets to live there with her yeah and, they, and she has to live there for a year she's lived there for a year and um she goes there and basically everyone's the whole family is just pissed off that she got the inheritance yeah and then they didn't because she's a complete stranger right and then it goes into this like whole series. Yeah, there's of, like, a lot of why like, and, yeah. Oh, it's so there's a lot of puzzles. There's a lot of mystery behind it. Um, I'm a mood reader, so I like got halfway through the second book, and then I still have my bookmarker in it when Julia. Yeah. Like I started this in like June, um, so she's ahead of me now. She knows more than me, which is weird because that doesn't that doesn't usually happen. <laughs> I'm someone that like if I really like a book, I will like cruise through all of them immediately, and then like any sort of spinoff or anything like. I'm not kidding. When I finished the final gambit on um, on Friday night, I finished it. And Saturday morning or Saturday, I was like, I'm going to Target to buy the fourth book, which isn't like in the trilogy, but it's like kind of like a spinoff, um, probably attuned to uh, like how four is to Divergent oh, yeah. and uh, Insurgent and Allegiant. 
Um, but I just started it. I'm excited. It's from a little bit different of a perspective. It's not from Avery's perspective. It's from the, some of the brothers' perspectives. So, um, yeah, if you're looking for a fun mystery style read, I really like how she writes. Maybe I don't know how to put that into words, but I genuinely I would enjoyed help it. If I remembered, but I don't. I don't know. It, it, it's probably very attuned to how I write as like someone, and it just like was able. Or I was able to very much envision everything that was happening, which I enjoyed. So if you need a fun book series to kind of get into, the Inheritance Games is great. She also has other books, but I haven't read any of those. I haven't either. I, I want to read her other... Um, it's like her, yeah, it's, like, it's more like true crime-esque, so okay. I want to read that one. Um, before, I kind of want a question. So when you read... Um, are you picturing the book in your head like a movie or are you just like reading the words? Like, do you know what I mean? Oh, uh, like, it envision? depends on the book. Okay. But a book like that, I would, I could like see it like a movie, but it's weird because it's, well, not weird, but it's not as though I have a casting of people in the yeah. movie. It's just like the dynamics and the moving around like i can visually yeah. see um but it definitely depends on the books because when reading icebreaker i couldn't okay that makes sense yeah because i always that's kind of why i feel like i always like having music in the background because in my head like it's like all rolling like a movie and i like saw somewhere that people like actually like don't always experience that so it's kind of yeah yeah i don't know like, it's always rolling. Like, it's always, like, a picture, which is why, like, if I'm too aware of, like, that it's words, like, I can't get as into it. Mm-hmm. But um, if I'm, like, really into it, it's, like, I got a little cinema, which I don't really have specific actors or anything either. Like, I just make up. I have, like, I think, yeah. I think I just have characters in my head, like, baseline characters. And then I typically, and then, no, and then I was going to say I t- typically envision myself, but that's a lie, and as the main character. And then yeah. I, I'll just, yeah. like... I just have like the characters. I will say like I don't really. I typically make all the characters the meet lead male characters brunette, whether they actually are or not. I cannot <laughs> picture a blonde man for some reason. <laughs> Even our Coriolanus Snow. That one was a little easier because he actually had an actor when I read, um, when I was reading it because I read that in like March yeah. after he was casted. But that's interesting though because the actor was actually brunette. But he was, they were already, they already had the trailer. Oh, they so were, he was, oh, I see. Like I the trailer you. had come out. So he was you. already like, yes. That's funny. If So if there's like a specific trailer out or movie things, then I'll envision those actors typically. Mm-hmm. But if I'm to my own devices, I just have like, I don't know what to call them. They're just it's, like. Yeah. I was going to say, it's crazy that how the mind works with regards to that. It always blows my mind that that is a thing. Um, because I also, as Savannah knows, um, have like a, a temp job that requires me to transcribe like, uh, notes. So I'll be reading the same notes over and over again, but just written by some, a different, uh, individual. And, that is a situation that I purely see words now. Mm-hmm. Like I can sit here and just like, okay, I'm just the words because I'm just taking from one document, a photo to words on a page. And there's no like mental visual uh, awareness going on. For was me. there ever like at the beginning? Was there, I think, I don't know if it's been consistent, I do have the benefit of, in this particular case, it's based around notes that students took on a study abroad that I also went on. So for me, I can visualize some of the stuff that they're seeing, but like, it's so much less story that it's just like words. Because you know what's interesting? When I was like, because I know that I was looking over some of the transcription stuff one time to help you figure out a word. Mm-hmm. And I was picturing the guy writing it mm-hmm. like in my head. I don't know what he looks like, but I, I was like, either. I don't know what he was looking at, but I was picturing him sitting there writing notes. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. So I was like envisioning the scenario of the written notes being written. Huh. 
I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> There's always like a picture in my brain that goes with the scene, but I was just curious about that. It is it, interesting. It, I, I'm sure there's some research or something out there that probably gives more information on that. But yeah, like I said, the inheritance games, I gave it 10 out of 10 basically across the board or five out of five if you're on Goodreads. Um, but I'm also not a hard sell. I don't remember what I gave it. I might've given it a, I either gave it a five out of five or a four out of five. Um, but Savannah's more picky with them. I I am. (laughs) But I also have to remember that if I pick something from the bookshelf, there is a reasonable assumption to be made that it's going to be a four or five out of five because it meant that Savannah was interested in it enough to own it. Nope. No? Nope. Really? No, I'll, I'll keep books I don't like. <laughs> they might just be lower down on the shelf. <laughs> well, I stand corrected. My, my, I'm a collector. and I, like, I have some books on there like I really hate. What one? First um, one that comes to mind. Dating plan. I'm looking at it. It's that purple one at the bottom. Okay. Bad. Very bad. Okay. Um, there's a lot on the bottom. Renegades. I've tried to read that three times. Hate it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I stand corrected. Maybe it's just because I picked from not the bottom shelves. You picked a good shelf. That was like my uh, mystery and like dystopians that I like. So that's a safe bet. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's our Entertainment Weekly. Um, yes. Outside of that, we have a little story that leads us into our topic today. Oh, yeah. Our topic today is going to be talk is going to be different levels of competition. Stories that, you know, you may not have heard, situations that you may not be aware of, but also, like, what you can expect, depending on if you're at a local meet, a national meet, international meet. Um, But what kind of prompted this was the sign-up process for nationals. Yeah. Um, So, if you were listening last week, or, and if you haven't, you should go check out that episode. Um, We talked a little bit about... Um, like competition schedules and we're also I highlighted that nationals for our USAPL 2024 nationals was opening you know that you know the next day so I stay up till midnight because for some reason it was opening at midnight here uh, and I sign up for the meet and I get a receipt but my name is not on the roster <laughs> I have a receipt but my name was not on the roster. The stress and I was just like, so it wasn't so much that I didn't think they would address it. It was more just the fact that it was just quite an annoying situation to have to be in where it's like, what went wrong? A, the website was terrible. The bandwidth was terrible for the website. B, not everyone knew it was coming out at midnight. Yeah. They only announced it via social media. So if you are a, um, a more seasoned veteran or if you're someone that doesn't go on social media for these announcements, which is quite fair. Yeah. You were very much reliant on either being on that website, like usually like kind of knowing and looking for yourself or that was, or that was it. That was like, kind of it. Yeah. You kind of- so not the best communication. So with that said, I was not on the roster. I was very annoyed um, and then it started filling to 50% in like 40 minutes. And then by the morning it was basically full, which is crazy. 1200 person meet. Um, I know partially that this is a response to what happened last year where they closed it early and then a lot of people didn't get in and were upset about not, you know, hearing about it in advance. That they were going to close it. Um, and or that they were close to the cap rather and so everybody was on online ready to go or everybody as in a large amount of people were online ready to go to sign up a large enough amount of people that it was full yeah with less than 24 um but even so so as a result a lot of people didn't get in I was frustrated and emailed the USAPL immediately um, and on Saturday. So this was on Monday. So six days later, Saturday, I got an email 
asking me like to confirm stuff and then got put on the roster, which I'm grateful for, but more so just the frustration of the process like throughout. Um, there were a lot of people on that roster that it looked like had signed up twice, um, which I'm sure they're going through and like fixing all of that. But just the, the sign up process, you know, this goes for a lot of different meets. I think it's something that uh, these high level meets need to address is just improving the sign up process. Yeah. Um, because like even with what was happening with the Arnold, where the site kept crashing and it just was not working well for people trying to go on um, all at once. I think that there's a lot of different ways to tier the system or adjust to allow a better yeah. sign up process. But yeah, that, that just kind of brought up the topic of like what to expect at different meets, what's worth it versus what's not. Um, and kind of, yeah, how that all plays out. What was your perspective? Because you weren't signing up for nationals, but you've heard from a lot of people. I have heard from a lot of people, and saw my stress on the Absolutely. coach. Yeah, I definitely think that there needs to be um a rule that you need to sign up with the QT. I think there. I think you need to have the QP already, mm-hmm. and I don't think this is going to shorten anyone's chance. I think it just means like if you are to get the QT in the next couple months, like you just sign up for next year's, yeah. And, like you have that availability, so I don't think it like really changes anything. But I think I don't think there should be a lot of people that are able to sign up without the QT. Um, and to your point, it really that if they implemented that, it would really only impact people for one year initially yeah. because they wouldn't know in advance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like when they sign up, um, that would also move around when people might compete. There might be more incent or more incentive to, you know, go to the state meets or the local meets that they're trying to drive uh people to go to. So yeah. it's really I thought that they used to have it set up like that, but I I don't remember. I kind of thought they did too, but then that way they wouldn't have to like do this whole thing where they have it open for a select window and everyone's like gunning to get in it. Because I remember, I thought originally, like in my head, I thought you couldn't sign up for nationals without the QT. So when I was signing up for like CNATs, mm-hmm. um, I made sure I had the QT before I signed up. Like I was always under the assumption that's how it worked because mm-hmm. I just feel like that's how it should be if you're like going from like a tier to tier. Yeah. But- I mean, as in, so as a counterpoint, mm-hmm. if you're looking at it from organizational standpoint, that's makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Totally makes sense. However, one thing that you miss out by doing that is having people that will pay and not compete. So if you have it early and then they don't end up meeting that QT, they've already paid. And USAPL makes it very clear that there are no refunds, which is kind of just a cash grab. So, you know, factoring that in might Kind of keeping in mind that, yes, this is for the athletes, but there is an element of this is, you know, maybe a nonprofit, but it's still a business. There still needs to run. Well, they should probably do business differently if if, if they're they're getting all their income from people from banking on the fact that people aren't going to qualify. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I agree. I, I agree too. But I saw your point. I definitely, I definitely caught that too. Um, but yeah, I just know a lot of people are frustrated with it. I know that they opened it again for a little bit, like once they got rid of all the doubles. So there was yeah. like a three hour period where it was reopened. And like, again, you would only know if you would went on the site mm-hmm. and like, um, like went into it. But I mean, I know we've talked about this, I think before in a previous episode where, um, we were talking about how, I don't know how much USAPL is, is like changing and how we think mm-hmm. some things could be better, but yeah. yeah. And Another thing is that they announced on social media, similarly, after the fact, I think it was maybe around 10 or 11 a.m. Eastern time the following day. Well, the the day that it opened. So after that midnight, like, you know, yeah. 12 hours later, basically, that they put something on their social media like, hey, pros are going to get an invite. 
Yeah. And per, on like a personal level, I don't disagree with that. I think that I if, you, so if you have, you know, this pro card, I guess, a benefit to having a pro card, I guess, in this case, is to have maybe early invites. And, but keyword right there early yeah like before and i also this is after the fact yeah i know they did it after and then there's gonna have to be more issues and i also kind of think because i was talking to someone at the gym and they made a comment about how nobody in the top five of the weight class their weight class last year got into this year's Mm -hmm. and so that makes me honestly think that maybe like people like that were top of the weight class last year should also maybe get i don't know if they would have gotten invites on the pros but like also get like Mm -hmm. an early invite like if they're at maybe not top five but maybe like top three like get an invite to sign up if they wanted to again because this is something i've been thinking about too like other than bragging rights what do you what long-term benefit does an athlete have for placing first, second, or third at Nothing. nationals? So maybe currently not not much. So this yeah. could be an extra motivator. Like, oh, if you win nationals this year, you get an automatic like invitation for right. the next year. I don't know. Maybe it could be another thing. I could be wrong. I don't even think it was it was cash payout for athletes that based off of dots i think there was last year but not like your average first second third yeah um because that would make it i think more competitive because i mean i know there could be like sleeper people coming out in every class mm -hmm. but like this would keep it to make sure like the people that won last year have a chance to go head to head with like yeah the new the new yeah and something else like to factor in is right now the argument is always okay well we don't have the you know refs or the you know space or the time or whatever it is associated with um basically addressing you know the amount of people you have there and something that i think a lot of other federations do well or have done well is separate nationals open nationals from age nationals so age nationals could fall between teens uh juniors masters and that's still a large group of people but rather than adding all of those categories to also the open um and like aka filling up the entire meet that might be a good way to do it is separating it. It doesn't have to be like, Oh, only junior nationals or only teen nationals. It can be like those age nationals. It just opens up more space for, you know, those that are only going to compete in open versus those that are choosing to do uh, juniors. Like in my case, I have both the open and the junior QT. However, since this is the last year that I'm going to be a junior I've decided just to pay for the junior and basically be doing junior nationals. And that's because in my case, there's not another option to go do junior nationals elsewhere. I'm currently, you know, in a gap year, so I'm not like a student. So collegiates wouldn't work. So while I've heard some people say, well, limit the juniors and limit the, those categories. I don't think that's necessarily the right, choice but rather maybe regrouping who is competing at certain meets and because there's also a ton of juniors that and a ton of masters that could place that open so then that just gives them another incentive to you know maybe they're on different timelines and maybe that's another meet they can do a year um i mean they are completely different qts too so it would make sense to do two different meets yeah and i they they used to be they were last year. Well, no, yeah. not last no, year, the year before. Um, they've gone back and forth on it. And I think it's really just a matter of the decision. I mean, I'm not on the background of things, but a matter of what's feasible and what yeah. makes sense that year for them. But and I that's think, not consistent. you know. Yeah. And I think junior nationals like two years ago didn't have as good of a turnout as, yes. as it did collegiates and because i think collegiates was huge that was the year i went to collegiates mm-hmm. and then barely anyone was in junior nats yes and then again everyone was in raw nats so i think they were kind of like well why did we do this yeah, yeah. and i think if they re or not structure but re market like change their marketing to be 
that's why I think like collegiate nationals is very specific because it's quite literally like college students, college level that you kind of got to keep with that. But if you just said age nationals and it meant that there were less teens and maybe because there's a lot of collegiate lifters, less juniors, but you have so many masters, what's the, like, you can still fill out a meet. It's very clear that USAPL can fill out meets. Oh yeah. Nobody's questioning that. So how do we open up space for people to do it? Could it be more of a top down thing of like, Hey, like greater support is needed towards, you know, refs to be able to go or you know whatever it is um doesn't need to be more invitation based yes exactly versus like anybody that gets a qt can go Mm -hmm. it's i mean like there's a lot (laughs) there is a lot i mean it just it, it this is more of an example of how powerlifting needs to inch more and more towards how like other sports are yeah i always say this is yeah well i always say that powerlifting could take some notes from um esports which is like i I was not involved in esports i to this day i'm not but um my boyfriend is and everything that i've seen with how that they run things is very similar to or like there's a lot of parallels with powerlifting that i'm like that would work here why aren't we doing this maybe one day but on that note so if you are already into raw nationals or if you're signing up for c nationals yeah congrats on pushing through so what are some of the differences what are what are what are you even what is even the benefit of doing a national meet versus just doing a local one um so at a national meet more often than not you are gonna be placed in a more competitive scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes at local meets, you might find you go and you are the only one in your weight class, or there might be only two or three. So by nature, you podium. Um, but at nationals, where you have maybe hundreds of people or a couple hundred of people in your class, it's you're you're going up against theoretically the best. Yep. You see where you stack a little better. Yes. And so that is one thing. The competition is a little bit different. Uh, like uh, competitor, competitor. Yeah. Another thing at national levels, which Savannah can speak to collegians and I can speak to raw is that you're more likely to see um, the rules enforced to the book in yep. terms of, you know, if, there's less leniency that may or may not occur um, very to the book, which I think is to the lifters benefit. But if you're not used to that at a local level, um, that might come back and bite you. I'll and, you yeah. And this is where we really emphasize you should train to standard because yep. um, it, it can bite you. It, it may, you may fly by and a local meet just because people tend to be more lenient, but it won't fly at, um, at nationals, because for instance, I had—I used to be a conventional deadlifter. I'm sumo now, um, and I used to pitch pretty badly. Mm-hmm. But it would get to the point where sometimes it would be barely a hitch, but it would still be a hitch. And I flew by, and I was—I would compare these videos and say they're very similar. But I would—I flew by every meet I did locally. But at CNATs, I got called for both of my last two deadlifts, even though they moved easy and everything was fine, like, or the hitching was bad enough. Like, and I like still to this day, like, we'll look back at videos and I'll see, they probably noted it on my first one that I had the tendency to, and then we're extra watching me on the last two. And then mm-hmm. that's, ten- that's probably why I got um, called. I-, I was hitching a little bit, but one was a little more obvious yeah. than the other, but um and you're so like stuff like that, like stuff that's flow like flew by and got me qualified for nationals once I was there. And because I didn't completely train that, um, train that better, it ended up getting called for it. Yeah. And, um, with that being said, in case you're not familiar with the term hitching, typically referred like a colloquial term used to refer to supporting the bar on your thighs which is how it reads in the rule book. Yeah. Um, just like to add that in. But um, 
yeah, like Savannah said, uh, we both have cases that apply to us um, with regards to the difference between local and national. Um, Another thing that I'll mention is if you have a piece of equipment that is not, um, how do I say, up to all of your equipment should be up to the standard that is expected at every level. That is just my recommendation. Yeah. However, they may look more particularly at your equipment at a you know national level um, because you know you're in these this higher caliber of competition and um, things quote unquote matter a little bit more at the yeah. outcome and so just. This is my blanket statement to, you know, when you buy equipment, make sure that it applies and works at every level just because, you know, a ref at your local meet lets you slide with, you know, the the painting or the stickers on your belt. That's great there, but once you get to these national levels, that might not slide and then you're forced to take them off, find yeah. something else, scramble at the last minute. I'd really suggest taking a look at t-shirts too. Yes. Those are things that give people a lot. Bring extra. Yes. They they're gonna they they've caught a lot of people. I know for a little bit they weren't allowing girls to wear crop tops at nationals, but they mm-hmm. went at local. Mm-hmm. So I'd I'd watch for that. And like if you have your coach's t shirt, you have to clarify the fact that it's a coach's t shirt. Yeah, and your coach has to register any logos that are on it mm-hmm. and have them be approved. So Something to note with that is, in my case, I actually had a situation where the knee sleeves that I had were approved in the book. However, at the time, there was another, by the same brand, there was another type of knee sleeve that was not approved. And after my first squat at 2017, yeah, 2017 Nationals, I had a judge run back and tell me that I had to take those off because they weren't approved. This was after I went through equipment check, knowing well, knowing that I specifically bought these ones because they were approved. I was told I had to take them off because they weren't approved. Now I can't sit there and argue with the judge at this point because this is, you know, I'm eight minutes out from going for my next squat. But as a result of that, it brought, undue stress on me. I have pictures of my uh, knuckles that were raw trying to take a friend's uh, SVD sleeves and pull them up. That's why even though sometimes it can be the more expensive option, like if you have the ability to get equipment that is like always approved, like the brand basically is approved, I normally recommend that because it can limit some of those situations and I don't like to say that they're more strict at the national level but with like ruling or anything of that nature but rather at local level there tends to be more leniency and so when you get to the national level it can be perceived as being more strict when in reality it's more to the book and so kind of keep that in mind like Savannah said you know, training to standard, especially if you're a competitor that's going to be going to nationals or looking to go to nationals. And my recommendation is having solid equipment. Yeah, I think that'll help a lot. Um, Another thing that's kind of different is atmosphere tends to be a little bit different than um, local meets. And this is like different for each of them. Local meets, um, you're going to get a lot of people you're going to get a lot of different characters that are yes. coming in and out and you're, it's going to be a lot different because maybe you just have your family there or maybe you've got a bunch of friends there. Cause they're all able to like come around and like hype you up. Maybe you're at your home gym. Maybe mm-hmm. you're may, well, anyway, the setup's not as like grand grand. I would yeah. say like, typically it's just going to be a banner and a platform mm-hmm. and like your typical referees um, probably in like a high school gym or some local gym or high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. High school gym or lo- some local gym. Um, and it, and like people like the energy is, it's just different. Right? Cause sometimes it can be really high. It might depend on the meat. Sometimes it can be pretty like chill. Mm-hmm. Um, just depends on all that. Uh, go to nationals. And I know you can speak to this, this too. productions 
grander. There's going to be a lot more lights. There's a lot more people watching. Streaming is a lot better. Um, There will tend to be a lot more people like cheering you, but it's like a different type of cheering. It's like more audience than like you them personally like hyping you up. Mm-hmm. it's like it's going to be a whole different approach to that um so i keep that in mind how is your experience at collegiate nationals where you had a lot of people around you that were actually of like the same age and as a result like the audience might have like did you notice any of that uh playing out for you like of the same age i i don't i don't know like i don't feel like there was that big of a difference like if anything I feel like everyone was kind of there was like groups focused on like specific lifters yeah there was cheering collectively for everybody like all Mm -hmm. around but it wasn't like like at states like a lot of people know each other and like they go by name and they hype it up and then also typically at nationals there's four platforms running at once right so there's not as many eyes like at a low at a local meet all eyes tend to be on you sometimes there's two platforms going but uh raw like there's four going at most there's raw or collegiate there's four going at once or more um there's a lot of different like different people are watching different screens there's a huge screen behind you it's a lot going on and it's and like everyone's kind of like focused on their self like you typically won't know the person in front or behind you Mm -hmm. and so there might be like a good job like something like that but it's not the same as like being a local and like yeah yeah no that makes sense i can't really i don't really think there was like a difference for like the age group wise for me no that yeah, I can see that. Um, well, especially when at local meets, it does tend to be very similar age group yeah. in a lot of them, at least around Michigan. Yeah. Um, whereas with me at Raw Nationals, um, I actually I thrive in the situation where there's less people I directly know. Um, so I enjoy the higher production, like of the lights and things like that. That doesn't bother me, but rather the fact that there are less people I directly know is more conducive for my, like uh, my enjoyment and my uh, strategy with lifting. Lights are nice. If you uh, don't like looking at the audience, that's true. And that's another thing. Um, And something else with that is usually at the national level, they'll, they've vetted their, um, spotters and loaders. So not always, but oftentimes, um, people do experience like, Hey, like a better lift off at a national meet or, um, something along those lines where you just may have people that are more experienced doing the spotting and loading different platforms can run at different speeds. That's something that people might not realize as well. If you have a friend on platform two and you're on a platform one, it's not uncommon to have one platform go a lot slower than the others, whether it be via technical difficulties or what, but that makes it a little bit annoying for coaches and timing, but just more something to be aware of that, you know, if you're, like I said, if you're on um, platform two and you have a friend on platform one and you're in flight B and your friends on flight in flight A you might find that you're going at the same time at some point because yeah. it's just sometimes, you know, certain ones run ahead and certain ones run behind. Um, those are like the big things that I know with like national compared to local. Yeah. Anything else that you want to mention? Um, not crazy. I would say that if you're going with friends, don't expect it to be like a local meet where you can watch like everyone i would say go in with the focus of focusing on your competition and your um attempts and then um like talk about it later because and watch each other's live streams because there's just a lot going on you're gonna be very most people are gonna be very overwhelmed and it stuff happens so fast and it's so so easy to miss attempts because you're back in the warm-up room yeah so i would just stay as focused as you can yeah and we'll kind of sneak a little bit of a tidbit in here about international versus national and local. Which I cannot speak a lot to. So I I will give my full uh, disclosure that I've only been to one national meet or excuse me, one international meet. um, And that was in 2018. So this is not to say this is how they are. They work now um, or they're, they're, 
might not be differences, but this is just what I've experienced as well as what I've continued to hear. Mm-hmm. If you took the size of a local meat and the judging and um, spotters, loaders, and caliber importance of a national meet and put them together, that is pretty much what you'll experience at an international meet. Mm-hmm. So when I was at Worlds in 2018, it was at Calgary. And I've heard from many people that this was one of their worst, oh, um, no. <laughs> one of their worst venues because it was actually on a basketball court in um in Calgary, Alberta and it was it was just a weird experience but um something about inter- or international meets that I can point out is the crowd was very small um you'll get a lot more cheering at national levels than or like a, a much larger audience just by the nature of international is a lot more exclusive as of right now. I don't think it's something that they have like where people will fly in and buy tickets for, for the most part. I think we are moving towards that with the topic of like Sheffield and you know what the IPF is doing with that um, or SBD. But for the most part, you'll get more audience in nationals, therefore be louder. I remember going out on, the um like to squat at uh calgary and like i could like audibly see and hear my dad like (laughs) screaming like you know they have music going i don't even remember (laughs) um it wasn't i will say there was a lot of stress that was going on like during that yeah um but another thing about that is those meets do tend to run very fast if you're someone that takes like 20 minute rest times between attempts like or your warm-ups or whatever at the gym and you're planning to go and compete at any national even internet or excuse me international and even national level you're going to want to train with some more speed and more rigor there because that meet that I did was done in less than three hours. And it's always nice when that happens. It is nice. Um, and Savannah knows I train very quickly and I, <laughs> you're uh, from this. I, uh, that might be why, but just like, you know, you're getting to the book, uh, roughing and you're getting, um, they're gonna it's the top of the top so they're gonna they care more about it it's more to that to the book and um i can't speak to how different uh nations or hosts will be i do know as a result of the fact that you're going up against other nations there can be a little bit less camaraderie kind of occur um that you might see at like a national meet or a local meet um, simply because, you know, you're the person that you're going up against is from New Zealand or the person you're going up against is from France or you know Ireland, yeah. whatever. And that's not saying anything about any of those countries in particular, more of me just pulling out examples, but people are prideful in their country and like want to win. Yeah. And that's where, that's where you are. You're at that, high level so there's a little bit less can be a little bit less um social camaraderie during the actual yeah which i think the blanket lesson for all of this is that while uh, we say all the time consistency is key yes i think adaptability yes in this sport if you're planning to go to levels like this is critical because mm-hmm. you're not always going to have your best friend typing you up behind you. Sometimes you might only have your handler. Yeah. And you're not always going to have like friends on the platform. You, if, if big competitive things. Mm-hmm. You might not even have a ER rack or a TSS rack. You might have the most slippery of benches or whatever. Yeah. There's an element of yes, being consistent and, making the environment and the situations as conducive as you can for you and controlling those variables is great, but also being able to react and respond and adapt, like Savannah said, um, is going to help you long-term just handle the different situations that come at you. 
Yeah. Um, like I um, was recently talking to someone because I listen to music for all of my like top sets and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, oh, well, you, won't, you won't have that on the platform. So probably shouldn't like do that. And I feel like I'm pretty adaptable in that sense mm-hmm. where I, I, I know I don't have music. So I tend to talk more and like fill up the void somewhere else. So it's stuff like that. Like if, and it, that's to say, if the bar is the bench is slippier, slip, slip, I can't say slippery, more slippery. Um, that doesn't mean that you're like weaker, but it is something to account for that you might have to take like different attempts, different attempts or something. Or if you have a way to make it more stabilized, that is better. But there's no guarantee. I mean, you were at a basketball court for worlds. Yeah, so. <laughs> it was a basketball court. I've heard. They've been at nicer places. Um, But something else that totally forgot to bring up is the element of, um, you know, where you're at, local, national, international, like what the situation is. And um, I know everybody likes to say like, oh, like flying or moving around doesn't impact me as much or vice versa. But there is the element of like a, a... environment that you are comfortable in is going to be more conducive for you now i say that with like environment that you're comfortable in if you're comfortable in a national environment in that big things moving around that's great that means that might be more conducive for you most of my best meets were at a national setting because i genuinely and more comfortable at a national setting yeah. than a local meet and that's just like that's that's how i am um but vice versa if someone's more comfortable you know at a local meet and ha- doesn't have the experience traveling around or whatever it kind of looks like um there might be additional stressors that come with national and yeah. or international level meets and that's just something to take to take note of when you're competing yeah not saying it's make or break but something to take note of definitely not and um i mean the traveling is also something to take note of so it can hit harder than you would think sometimes if you're cutting too that's gonna play a role versus like if you don't have to worry about that um but yeah i think that i think that about wraps us up talking about local national and international i know that there is regional but since neither of us have huge amount of experience with regionals um and they are being sought to be or they are in the process of being used to gain more traction at regionals and like encourage people to go there um we kind of opted to leave that out of the conversation here but um Awesome. Well, thank you all for listening. If you want to continue the conversation, you can reach out to us on Instagram at Juliana King underscore and Savvy underscore lifts. And otherwise, we will see you all next week on Monday for another episode of Powerful Perspectives. Bye, guys.